Uh, we believe that that's a, a timely uh, element of what we need to do in prayer, uh, especially seeing some of the things that are going on around the I'm world. I'm loving it. How many well. have heard about the revivals that have been going around, breaking out in the United States, all in the universities? Honestly, I think this is one of the most amazing things because when we see a generation that hasn't actually physically experienced moves of God, we, we've entered into a generation where a lot of them haven't really experienced God moving in their life or seen the miraculous in their lives. And so seeing in that generation them have this revival and just God breaking out in these, in these services, it's absolutely amazing. And I love it because as we're coming into the end of days, as we're coming into the last days, the end of times, those types of things, we need revival to break out. Amen? And that's one of the great things about, you know, we're going to be talking about end times today, um, kicking off the series, and I'm really excited. But do you know that um, end times was always a subject that terrified me? <laughs> I was, like, I grew up in the church, but I remember being absolutely debilitated by fear because of what could possibly happen. And I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And things that would scare me about it was like, I didn't want to get my head chopped off or I didn't want to encounter a demon. And now, <laughs> no, now I laugh because I'm like, you know, like when you're a kid, these are the things that you think about. But I don't even think it's just, you know, as a kid, I think sometimes people just think about these things. Um, but, you know, and then I didn't even want to encounter a demon. I was afraid of that. Now I'm like, bring them all, let's cast them out and send them back to hell where they came from, you know? I'm, I'm ready for it. But part of that came because I didn't have an understanding of things when I was young. And so as I grew up and I matured in my Christian walk with God, I, be, I, I gained some knowledge in things. And I began to research things out, get some questions answered. So I'm going to encourage you guys, first of all, if you guys have questions, write them down, and then see Pastor Rick because we're going to Africa tomorrow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but write them down. Ask the questions because honestly, just kind of asking the questions and talking about it really brought a sense of peace to me. And um, one of the things that I really, um, I know I'm talking for a couple minutes here, but one of the, one of the things that I really um, struggled with was thinking that I was constantly in God's judgment of being damned to hell. And um, it, was, it was just really scary for me, you know, growing up feeling like if I didn't read my Bible enough, or I didn't pray enough that I was going to hell. And so I kind of lived in this constant state of like, I got to do all the things because otherwise God's going to judge me and I'm going to hell. But I realized as I matured in my faith that the actions, our faith isn't based on actions. We are saved by grace through faith. And I found that actions were not how I was saved, but actions were a reflection of my my close personal relationship with God the Father. And because I had that deep personal relationship with him, I wanted to do the things. I wanted to be in his presence. I wanted to be in his word. And that's where the action started to really uh, flow, not out of a place of obligation, but out of a place of I love him. You know, it's a difference. Yeah, we used to, you know, sit and chat all the time and like anything, any topic would kind of come up along this stuff and all of a sudden, you know, Sherry would just, you know, almost like freak out. Have you guys ever, you know, been there, you know, where you're just kind of like freaking out? I don't know just, about freaking out. Yeah, but... I think it was freaking out. It'd be like, I have so, you know, then she'd go to bed and she'd have, you know, like 18 pizza nightmares. dreams that night, nightmares and, you know, different types of stuff. And, but really this is, is something that is, is important though. By the way, just on that, I want you guys to know, like, I don't, I just, this is something not in our notes, but I just feel like um, there are people who need to be set free from a spirit of fear. 
Mm-hmm. That was something that God really delivered me from. I struggled a lot with fear <coughs> in every area of my life, and there was many things, but a lot of it was just kind of, I'll, I'll chalk it up to fear of the unknown, just like things that I would think in my mind, but I'm not really saying them out loud, mm-hmm. and fear would just begin to grow. But God delivered me from that, and God can deliver you. So there's, there's healing for that. Amen. Amen. So, yes, we are going to be talking today a little bit on, uh, we're going to be starting a four-week series on end times. Uh, Ourself, Pastor Sherry, myself, we're going to be talking today. Pastor Rick will be talking next week. He's got, you know, more of the uh, heavier plowing elements of of the series. And, uh, you know, we'll leave it to people. Pastor, you know, here's the thing is, you know, not everybody is an expert in every area of theology, okay? And I don't claim to be a a theologian at any degree, Um, but I do believe, you know, that God, you know, gives us wisdom to be able to teach and and to preach, and and we're going to do that to the best of our ability, uh, you know, today, okay? So just just remember, I said, you know, uh, as we go through, what we really want to emphasize, there's a couple things I really want to emphasize, is that, you know, as we maneuver through this is exciting times, but it's really important for us as an entire body uh, of, of, as Christians, is to become biblically literate, okay? It is so important for us to know what does God's word have to say? What do, what, do, what do we know about God's nature and God's character, right? Because all of these are really relevant for us. And if they're absent, if we don't know God's word, if we don't know his nature, if we don't know his character, right, we are then... Then, then certain things are going to be missing from our perspectives of things, right? You know, so if you don't know what God's word has to say, then, you're, you know, ignorance is going to be present, okay? You're going to have these types of faith is going to be absence. We're going to be more susceptible even to things like fear when we don't know what God's word is. We don't know his nature. We don't know his character. And so we need to be what we, you know, people who are seekers of truth, okay? God's word is truth. It says in his word that we are to pursue truth. It's the foundation of our lives, the first piece of armor. Everything that we do is grounded and rooted in truth. And we need to be people who look at God's word and know what God's word actually has to say. Okay, so our goal for, you know, know, in this particular series, just so you know, there is so much... Uh, information. And we know, you know, even speaking on this particular topic, there is a large range of, of, of not only perspectives about end time theology, but also that there are hundreds, I don't know how many it is, of scripture passages that relate to end times. Okay? There is no way that in a few weeks of a messages that we're going to be able to talk about every technical detail. We're going to be able to tell you every bit of a timeline or all of those little things of that nature. But we're going to be able to talk about a few things that we believe over the next four weeks are going to be really important. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit during this period of time. We're going to talk about prayer and fasting. We're going to talk about the resurrection of the dead. But we're going to talk about the things that we believe are important for you to be able to maneuver through the end times that we are living in right now. You guys with me on all of this? And so the whole goal here is is I want you guys to be able to walk away, you know, hopefully having a better understanding of the times that we're living in. I want you to be able to walk away having a better understanding of the body of Christ and a better understanding of who God is and the glorious God that we serve. And I just encourage you, even as we go through this particular message, I got one, you know, here's the thing. I just want, and, and when you study God's word, okay, or you develop a belief system, Really, one of the questions that we need to constantly be asking ourselves is, do, what, what does God's word have to say about my beliefs? Mm-hmm. Okay? Because a lot of times, and there's people in here, and there's, there's going to be people who have really studied God's word about every element, you know, and certain elements, etc. But when you formulate a belief system, okay, we need to always go back to, what does God's word have to say about it? 
okay? Because when we go back to what God's word has to say about it, it helps us understand what we believe. And if what we believe has just been something that we've heard from somebody or whatever, but it doesn't line up with God's word, then what are we basing the foundation of our belief systems on? Do you understand what I'm saying? So the point is, is that when you study out in any theology, here's the thing, it doesn't matter whether it's end times. It doesn't matter if it's about your theology on love or whether it's your theology on, you know, peace. Whatever it may be, what does God's word have to say about my belief system? You guys with me? Mm -hmm. Right? And it says in God's word, study and show yourself approved. And we're going to talk about some of these things today. But I want you guys to just make sure our goal is that you increase in being, becoming biblically literate as we go through not only this series, but as an ongoing thing of progression of the body of Christ. thought you were going to preach the whole message by yourself there. <laughs> there we go. All right. That was supposed to be my one-minute intro. That's, but, yeah, know, that's your one-minute. So. Okay, here we are. Quarter two. Let's go. All right. You guys ready? How many have asked the question... Um, God, when are things going to happen? How are things going to happen? What is the timeline? You guys, has anybody ever asked that question, either out loud or just in your head? Yes, I feel like I'm not alone in this. But you know what? You're not alone in this either because the disciples did this when Jesus was on the earth. They asked him. So if we go to Matthew 24, uh, verse 3, actually it says that they're sitting there on the Mount of Olives and the disciples come to him privately. So they're like, okay, Jesus, we've got him to ourselves now. Okay, Jesus, he says, they say, tell us, when will these things be? Like, we want to know. Tell us, like, what, what, what is it? What will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? It says, and Jesus answered to them. I love this because Jesus is just, he's so cool, you know? He just gives us the answer that we need. And he says it so plainly. And in our humanness, we try to expound on that and imagine what all of this plain kind of language that Jesus talks about, we imagine what it, what it means, right? So it says, Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying that I am the Christ, and will deceive many. I don't want anybody here to be part of that many. It says, and you will hear wars and rumors of wars. How many have heard of wars, rumors of wars? If you, if you live in the world, you've heard of it. it. says, see that you're not troubled. I love that. I love that so much. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. It's not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. It says, and then many will be offended. They will betray one another. They will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. That's an interesting thing. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the thing. But we have access to so many prophets, self-proclaimed or, you know, actual prophets. Time will tell, right? But it says, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. That's a sobering thought. Because of lawlessness. The love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. How many want to be that one that endures to the end? Amen? It says, and this gospel of the kingdom, I'm, I'm reading this slow, I'm sorry. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. He's so plain about everything. This is all the things that are going to happen. When this happens, it's the beginning of things. When this happens, that's when the end comes. But how many know, even in that, we're like, what? 
when, how, why, like all these things, right? You guys with me on this? Do I feel? The these great thing about preaching a message with Pastor Sherry is that you know that she's just going to go on and she's going to deliver the word of the Lord no matter where it fits into what she wants <laughs> yeah, to say. You took my part earlier, no, so. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, what, what she's saying is that you read this passage, you know, are, are we living in, you know, where, where there's situations where there's wars and rumors of wars and people are getting offended, you know, and you know, the love of many, you know, is, you know, waxing cold. You know, the, the, the reality is, is that, you know, if you look around, this is, you know, part, this is the day and age that we are really experiencing right now. When did this start? You know, did it start a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15, 20? It doesn't say specifically when all of these things particularly start, but it says when you start seeing all of these things, which we are seeing, it says that it says it's not the end, but it says it's the beginning of sorrows. So if we entered into a season, right, of the beginning of sorrows, I'm going to say, yes, we've entered into that season. It's, it's been here and, and it's upon us, right? I want to look at one of the verses in here is actually verse number 12. Okay, and this is one of the things she says, you know, because lawlessness will abound, it says that the love of many will wax uh, cold, um, or, or, you know, or grow cold, uh, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. The reason why I want to take out this particular passage is, is, that, is, is that word love, the word love there, when you actually look that up, is actually, the, is the, uh, is actually agape. Okay. Now, for those of you know who you know study all of this particular things, there's there was there, I think it was, there's multiple different words of love that are in God's word. But the word agape was actually new on the scene and came with the arrival of Christ. Okay, and this is the the God kind of love, the unconditional kind of love that that God came and it was bestowed right and is part now of of that which is for believers. Okay, the world doesn't have the God kind of love. Are you guys with me on that? Right? As the agape love that Christ came that day was bestowed and that was part of what came in as Christ brought it and is now part of the body of Christ. Okay? That is where, right, we're able to operate in with the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us and function in the agape love that Christ has for us. Okay? So if it reads this, what is it really saying? It's saying that the love, right, of many, the love of Christians, okay, is going to grow cold. Okay, and this is really one of the things that, you know, we have to be aware of is, is that the love of Christians is going to grow cold. The love for God is going to grow cold in these latter times. And here's the thing is, I don't want my love to grow cold. Mm -hmm. I don't want your love to grow cold. But it says that many will. And so I really want, this is part of really what I want to try to bring apart here in this moment is, it says he who endures to the end shall be saved. I want you to be one who endures to the end to be saved. I want to be one who endures to the end to be saved. And then it says, I want to be preaching the gospel mm -hmm. to all the nations. I want you to be preaching the gospel to all the nations because the end will come. And I just, this is part of what we want to be able to rise up and do and not be part of, of that generation, right? Where the love, the agape love of God is failing within us. Amen? Okay. We also need to rightly divide the word of truth. That's right. And when we rightly divide the word of truth, 
What do I want to say about that today? I don't know. What do you want right? to say about in that? In 2 Timothy, it says, study, show thyself approved. This is part of what I was explaining to you guys, is it says, and rightly dividing the word of truth. And how many times have we used this passage around here when we talk about truth? One of the things that's really important is, is that if it says that you can rightly divide the word of truth, it also means you can wrongly divide the word of truth. Mm -hmm. Okay? So we need to be aware, right, of how to potentially take a look at you know, God's word, right? We need to know and study God's word to be able to take a look at it and align. Jesus warns us over and over and over and over again about deception, mm -hmm. okay? And it says, it, it's, it's one of the most concerning topics, right, that takes place in the latter days that he warns about is deception rising up. And we're gonna talk more, even more about that deception. But what happens with deception is, is that we lose track or focus on what is actually true. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's where deception comes in, right? Is when we lose focus on the truth. We become ignorant of the truth and then we allow ourselves to be open to deception. Doesn't mean that, you know, you're gonna automatically walk into deception just because you don't know the truth on us, but you are open up to it and that's something that we need to be aware of as we're processing things. That's right. That was actually a big question. I remember one time um, calling Pastor Rick up and just being like having one of my freak out moments that I have periodically, I guess, if you want to say, um, but calling him up, I'm like, how will I know if I'm deceived, if I'm deceived? <laughs> and I was just like, like, I, I don't, I, I don't want to be deceived, but a deceived person doesn't know that they're deceived because they're deceived, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you know if you're deceived, if you don't We've had this conversation a deceived? lot of times, actually. We've, like a lot, yeah. a lot. <laughs> and um, anyway, so Pastor Rick, I, just very calmly and nicely sat me down, actually Pastor Rick and Pastor Kathy, and they just talked to me about being underneath authority and submitted under authority and that, you know, there's a security that comes from being under authority. And the Bible says in um, Matthew 24, 23 to 24, says, then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. This goes to show that nobody's exempt from the possibility of being deceived. And if you think that you're above being deceived, you're probably already deceived, yeah. right? So, so anybody who has a thought right now, I'll tell you right now, this is one way, one clear sign that you're deceived at this moment is if you'd be like, I'm not deceived. I will not be deceived or, or that you just, you know, I can't be deceived. That's what it, I can't be deceived. And um, I wanna go to 2 Timothy 4, verse three to four, it says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So there's really multiple things that we can get from this. Two things I wanna really highlight here is number one, is that uh, we need to ask ourselves whenever we hear doctrine, theology, prophecies, anything of this nature, anything to do with you know theology or anything like that, we need to ask ourselves first and foremost, what does the Word of God say about this? You're gonna hear that over and over again, over today. and over yeah. again. And I remember having a conversation years ago with somebody, and they were trying to um, convince me that something that the Bible actually just very clearly defines as sin was not sin and that God actually wanted them to engage in that sinful behavior. And, uh, and I said, well, what does the word of God actually say about this? And kept going back. And they couldn't show me in the word of God where it said that God was pleased with committing these offenses, but yet they were convinced. And so we have to go back to the word of God. What does the word of God say? He gave us all truth 
and the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And if we are taking things out of the Word of God or out of context, or we're just kind of not really, we're just hearing things instead of actually studying things out. How many know, like, one of the things, one that's really popular is, like, uh, uh, money is the root of all evil. How many have ever heard that before? Mm-hmm. It's wrong, right? Because if you actually go to the scriptures, it says the love of money, money. is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. And this is a thing about the enemy is that he knows the scripture. He knows the word of God inside and out. He was in God's presence for a long time before he rebelled. And so he has a, an intimate knowledge of these things. And he knows if he were to just blatantly lie to you, you would not accept it. You'd reject it. You throw it out. If you walked in here and you said, you know, that light's red. And I'd be like, no, it's not. It's blue. But if you walked in here and you said, that light is periwinkle. I'd be like, well, I don't really think so. But, you know, and so the devil does that just a little bit. Just twists a little bit. And he is, he, he is a twister of things, twisters of truth. And so the first thing, what does the word of God say about it? One of the big things since we're talking about end times. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 to 7, it speaks of apostasy that takes place first and then the Antichrist is revealed. This is one that actually gets um, mis- misinterpreted. In verse 7, it says, He who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. A lot of people teach that this is about the rapture. That the word he there references the church. But if you go back to your word and you see, the church is never referenced in the male pronoun. The church is always referenced in the feminine pronoun. And so you, ha- you can't just take one verse and take it out of context. So we have to understand how to look at the whole of things, how to study things out, and how to be able to search these things. The second thing is that we need to know whose authority are the people that we are listening to underneath. This is so important. This is one of the things that I was saying that Pastor Rick and Pastor Kathy sat down with me and said, as you stay under authority, that is what helps you to not be deceived. And I can tell you, we have our authority structure in place that tells us if we're off on things or if we've got things wrong. And we're open to receive that because we want to keep growing. We don't want to be deceived. We don't want to be part of that many. Amen? Amen. Yes, uh, I mean, on a regular basis, you'd be surprised how often, you know, Pastor Rick and Kathy, you know, will, you know, come by and give you a little kick in the butt and say, hey, you know, to get back on track. I'm just kidding, but uh, especially with Pastor Sherry over here, but, you know, (laughs) you need to get back on the potter's wheel, honey, and get some refining done in your life. No, You say that to me. (laughs) All right, so. One of the things I want to read here is 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 9. It said, and I'm going to actually just start at verse 3, and it says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving God, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure, lover, rather than lovers of God. That's a whole lot of things that the Word of God's already saying that's going to be taking place. Am I right? And then it goes on and it says, having the appearance of godliness, but denying the power. Mm-hmm. Avoid such people, 
For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women. Can you just hold on for a second? Because I just feel like there's something so significant with that. Can you go back a verse? All right. We're going to go Sorry. back to you. Having the I'll appearance, let you pick up in a second. Having the appearance of godliness? Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Mm -hmm. Somebody who has an appearance of godliness is not going to be somebody who is out in the world. Somebody who is a non-believer. They're not going to be trying to um, appear to be godly. Right? Yep. This is talking about people who identify as Christians, people who identify as believers, and they will have the appearance of godliness, but they'll deny its power. I don't want to be caught denying its power. Can you go to the next verse? It says, from among them are those who creep into households. I don't know about you, but that word creep is just creeping Creepy. me out a little bit. <laughs> I'm just saying they creep into households. This is exactly what I'm talking about. The enemy, he is sly. He does not just come and burst into your house. And this is why we talk about having your doors locked spiritually is because you do not want the enemy to come in. And we don't want this type of a thing to creep into our lives where we are, we're professing that we're Christians, but then we're denying everything. Why? Because we're walking around negative, because we're walking around saying, you know, that our lives don't reflect Christ. What should our lives reflect? If we are Christian, we need to, we need to be like Christ. That's what Christian means. We need to be like Christ. Amen. I'll let you finish. All right, so it says, For those who are among you who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Right? Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualifying regarding the faith, but they will not get very far, for their folly shall be plain to all as was with those two men. First of all, who's Janus and Jambres? Okay, these were the two magicians who were in the court of Pharaoh, okay, when Moses was coming in. And what were they doing? They were operating with counterfeits. They were operating with deception in the court of Pharaoh at this particular time. They were in the king's presence. They were in the king's presence. Sorry. They were, they you, were in you the king's presence. You keep going. I'm sorry. Right? And, you should and, have given me this part because <laughs> she's passionate about this part, right? <laughs> and so really, but the part that's really interesting, right, is as, as she said, is sometimes it said, you know, we talked about Sam Ballad a couple weeks ago, right, where he was mixed into that camp. And so here you have people, and it talks about how they creep in and they prey upon the weak. They prey upon the vulnerable. And as they do that, we need to take a look at, are we really protecting those who are vulnerable? Are we, are we protecting those who are susceptible, you know, to deception or who are susceptible to counterfeits? Are we really looking at those things? Are we really, you know, you know, taking a look at this circumstance that says they oppose Moses, they opposed authority, they oppose truth all through this process. And this is really another stage of what things are happening as we look into this. Now, this is, I got good news for you, guys. I want to read in Hebrews, Hebrews 13, 17. And it says, and this is talking about obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls and those who must give account. It goes on into Acts 20, 28 to 30. It says, take therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock. And I'm going to verse into number 29. It says, for I know this, that after my departure, salvage, salvage wolves are going to come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. This is actually talking about even from within, okay? But here's the thing, right? You have 
you have, when you, when Pastor, Pastor Terry talked about this, I said, there's authority structures that work within the kingdom of God. Pastor Brian, Pastor Sherry, Pastor Michael, you know what? We all operate under authority. Okay? We're not just out here doing our own thing. We have authority structures, as we had said, that we have to be accountable to in the kingdom of God. And so everything functions in and out of that authority process. But here's the thing. Pastors, specifically the local church, are here to watch over you. They're here to help you. They're here to correct you. They're here to impart into you. And they're there to teach you the sound doctrine of the word of God. Okay? You know who isn't that person who's, supposed to, who's accountable for you? The YouTube preacher. Okay? Or the, or the videos, you know, that you watch online. Right? Those are all, it's, you know, information is nice. It's out there. It's abounding. But you know what? It's not there holding you in a submitted process and accountable to what you're hearing and imparting into your soul. Okay? How do we know if we're listening to information that's out there that's deceiving us when it says that many false prophets are going to rise up in the last days? How are we going to know that, we're, that what they're saying is true to God's word? A, we need to go back to God's word and we need to say, hey, what does God's word actually have to say about it? But who's also there to help you in that process? Your local church. And so whether you're at this church or you go to another church, you know one of the things you need to be? You need to be in a local church. You need to be submitted into authority structures. You need to be able to be accountable with those things. Here's one of the things, you know, we talk about sometimes, you know, you know, not every theological doctrine, you know, do we always just preach right from the pulpits every single week, okay? But you know what? Your authority has that opportunity to be able to sit down with you when you have a question. How many of you guys got questions about theology? Okay, I, we had a conversation in the, in the hallway this morning about theology. The reality is, is that that's there as part of what God commands Timothy here in this particular passage is to watch out for your soul. And you know what? They're held. We're held. You know why we take our job seriously as pastors? Because we're going to be held accountable to God for everything that we say, everything that we do, not just for our individual lives, but also what we, what we speak into your life. But also what we don't speak. Yep. And also what we don't speak. And, and I think that that's, that's something that's a big deal because a lot of times... What you say and what you don't say. What you say and what you, Yeah. Speaks. And sometimes, you know, things that we say, it's not always going to be cushy and lovey. I mean, it's going to be done in love. But some things that we have to say are, are hard. They're hard things that, you know, and, and it's, it's for your own good, but it's not always easy to hear things, right? But we're accountable to be able to teach you guys and to lead you on in the right way and not to allow you guys to be deceived or walk in deception. So if you guys ask us a question and you allow us to speak into your life, then we're going to speak into your life. We're going to do it lovingly. But we're going to speak into your life and we're going to walk with you because that's what pastors are meant to do. We're meant to do life with you. We're not meant to be just up here separate. We're meant to be with you guys. We're, we're leading yeah. you guys into battle. And, and one of the things I want to just say even about, about our churches is we got a lot of, we'll say, tenured uh, pastors right, who are walking in, in this congregation. You know, we have, you know, the Pastor Dave's and the Pastor Luke's and the Pastor Howie's and, the, and Pastor Rick and Kathy, the, the men and women of God who have been around, you know, studying and teaching and imparting into us now for, for decades and decades. And so these are, are people who have really taken a long time to study God's word and really impart that into us and, and hold us accountable Mm -hmm. to it as well. Amen. That's so right. I just, anyways, I just, we're going to leave, we're going to move on from this particular mm -hmm. part of it, but I really believe the, the whole, 
part of what have we been teaching you in this particular introductory part is, and I'm going to summarize this once again, is look, we need to know what God's word has to say. Yes. Okay. And, and the reason that's so important is because deception is rising up in the land and we need mm -hmm. to make sure not only do we know what God's word has to say, but we need to have processes in our lives of accountability, mm -hmm. right? We need to be in local churches. We need to be submitted into authority so that we can go through, you know, the tougher types of situations that we need to, that we're, where people can speak into our lives where things may be off. Absolutely. Amen? So you guys ready to dive into the question of what's the timeline? You guys want to know? Nobody knows. Okay. I'm going to tell you as plainly as Jesus no. told you guys. <laughs> let's, okay, so let's go to Ezekiel 38, okay? I'm going to read for a while, so you guys just strap on your seatbelts and get ready because uh, this is going to be this is going to be a good one. This is Ezekiel 38, and we're going to read 39 too. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshesh, and Dubal, and prophesy against him and say... Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshesh, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaw, and lead you out with all your army. It says, Horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields. Do you guys know what bucklers are? It's like a shield. So it's a type, type of shield. Bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all its troops, the house of Togarma, from the far north and all its troops, many people are with you. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. After many days you will be visited. In the latter years, you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. But they were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. You will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops, and many peoples with you. Thus says the Lord God. On that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind, and you will make an evil plan, and you will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go up to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against a people gathered from the nations." who have acquired livestock and goods, who dwell in the midst of the land, Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, and all their young lions will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, thus says the Lord God, on that day when my people Israel dwell safely, will you not know it? Then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company and a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog before their eyes. Thus says the Lord God, are you he of whom I have spoken in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them? 
That's a lot. But can you just imagine this scene? I'll let you go in a second. <laughs> go for it. Can you just imagine this scene? I know sometimes reading the book of Ezekiel, reading some of the Old Testament books, it's like you're kind of just like drowning in a sea of like old words and don't really understand. And it's just a lot to take in. But that scene that they're describing is the Gog-Magog War, which um, anyways, I'll let you kind of get back into it. I'm, so I'm going to end up going it, off on a it, tangent. It, there's a large gathering of armies that is going to take place and it's coming here and it says that it's going to come and attack Israel. And they have a, a picture here of a map here. And I really just want to break down a little bit here for you guys. Where, where really what it says is, is when it talks about Gog, it's actually really speaking more of a leader of that particular area in the, in the region of Magog, okay? And, and this area all traces back to the Scathians, the land north of what we call the Black Sea, and really the north land of that is really where we find is Russia, okay? And so you got Tublusk, which is often referred to the same thing in this Black Caspian Sea area. Persia, which is what we know as modern-day Iran. It speaks of Ethiopia, which is what is modern-day Sudan. You got Libya, which is northern Africa. You have Gomer in there, which is what we refer to as Turkey. Then it talks about the Prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. And often, the, you know, so sometimes, you know, people will say this is the east of Turkey, or it's actually Turkey, or the southwest of Turkey. But the reality is, is that it's all in the same geographical area. And really what I want to kind of point out here is is that they're all, where, where's Israel? Israel's right there smack dab in the middle, okay? And now what you're seeing is all of these nations that are all kind of around here, okay? The descendants that is prophesied here in Ezekiel 38, okay? You're starting to see a lot of things that are aligning up with some of these allies, okay? So some of them are, you know, they're political allies or sometimes, you know, they're economic allies or they have other types of military allies that are taking place. And I don't know, I think they have the, the next part of this here picture. And it says that what they're actually all gonna come in and it says that they're gonna come in with such magnitude of armies that it's gonna cover the whole, like it's gonna cover the land like a cloud, okay? And they're gonna come in to Israel. And that's really what they're going to see. Booty, that's what it says, you know, or, and plunder. And so I want to break this out. There's a couple of things that I want to bring out here. In Ezekiel 38, sorry, actually in 37, chapter, uh, verse number 14 and 21, and then Ezekiel 38, 8. I'm going to read all three of these just for you briefly. But it says that it's mentioned that after many years, okay, that the children of Israel are going to come back into the land. So in verse number 14, it says, and I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Okay. And then in number 21, it says, and then, then say to them that thus says the Lord God, surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone and gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. And then in Ezekiel 38, 8, what does it say? It says, after many days, you will be visited in the latter years and come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which have been long desolate and were brought out of nations. Now all of them dwell safely. Here's what I want to bring out about this. After, you know, in the, in the basically Roman Jewish air wars, okay, which took place around 66 AD to 166 AD, I believe those are the correct dates, right? There was wars that went, and really what happened is that the Jews started getting dispersed now out of, out of the nation, out of where Jerusalem was and spread abroad, okay, into the nations. And that took place around 66 to 166 AD, okay? You want to know when the Jewish nation actually, you know, started, you know, regathering back into their land? 1948, 
Okay, 1948 is when the Jewish state became, uh, was, was, was made, and now it's that the Jews started regathering, and this has been almost a 2,000-year process where it says you know, that they started to come back. And then shortly thereafterwards, we got, in 1967, you got the Six-Day War, and then that changed the boundaries a little bit of Israel, and I'm not going to sit here today and debate over all the different, you know, boundaries that took place in the Six-Day War, but really what's relevant about it is, is that the existing place where Israel resides, God has called them back out from the nations in the latter days, and he has placed them back here at this particular junction in time. And so this is a regathering that this speaks about in Ezekiel 38, that the Israelites will be returned in the latter days to this land. You guys with me? All right. It's good. Okay, so we're going to go back to verse 4, Ezekiel 38, verse 4, where it says, I will turn you around and put hooks into your jaw and lead you out with, with all your army. So have you ever thought about what that hook might be? Do you guys ever, I mean, I don't know. I, this is, I, these are the questions I have. Like, what are these? What's a hook? It's like, it's, a, like, it's like, it's like, you put like, it in your jaw and it's like, I'm going to pull you out, yeah. right, into this Into land. this thing, yeah. Yep. And so, so the question really is, what is the thing that's going to happen that's going to cause this war to take place? Now, we don't know for sure, okay? I'll just put that out here. I'll preface this with um, what I'm about to say here is um, my thoughts, our thoughts. Um, and it is uh, speculation at this point, because obviously we don't fully know exactly what's going to happen. But let me just paint a picture here for you, okay? So right now in Israel, you have um, the Leviathan uh, natural gas pipeline that's been put in place, okay? So the first part of that actually goes to, okay, here, here's the export routes. Um, so um, I don't know if you guys can see this well, but so blue in the middle, that's Israel. And so right now they're surf, um, servicing back in Egypt up to Jordan. And um, then they have a proposal, uh, like a second plan B, that they're going to expand and they're going to begin to expand across the Middle East and all the way up into Europe. What is okay? a Leviathan? Levi what is Leviathan? Yeah. Like this pipeline? Yeah. This is natural gas. Okay. Did I not say that? No, you didn't. You were listening to me. Leviathan <laughs> gas, right? Is, is, it was, they, they have discovered in Israel 20, uh, almost 23 trillion cubic metric tons yes, a lot. of natural gas. And that's in addition to the other natural gas that they have already located within the region. Yes, and so they're supplying this natural gas to Egypt, to Jordan, and they want to expand out to the uh, full Middle East all the way up to Europe. So... This is exciting news because it makes um, Israel completely self-sufficient and it makes them uh, growing in one of the largest exporters of natural gas, right? Mm -hmm. Which is exciting. But guess who currently is the largest exporter of natural gas to Europe? Russia. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so could this possibly be the hook that happens? Because if... Israel does this and they succeed with this, they're going, they may just be stepping on Russia's toes just a little bit. I, I don't know about you, but if, you know, maybe a lot, maybe a lot. And so the question really goes, I have to go back to my notes now. Oops, sorry. Um, anyways, um, you know, I'm just wondering if maybe this is the hook that is going to cause them to want to plunder Israel. It's, it's a thought. I'm not, saying, I'm not yeah. saying that this is exactly what's going to happen, but I'm just saying we're starting to see signs of things that are coinciding with the prophecies in the Bible. Right. Okay? But if you don't know your Bible, if you don't go back to the Bible and you read these and stay in tune with what's happening, you don't necessarily see the correlation between things. 
Yeah, so, so the next part of what I really want to do, I even just want to take a look just for a moment even at the Russian-Ukraine war, okay? This has been something that's been going on now for almost the last year. They have a, have a picture on here, and, and one of the things I want you to see is all that red that is on that particular map, one of the things that's taking place is that's, you know, the, the one part of Ukraine where they've all, you know, entered into. And if you see really what they've migrated down to is they've migrated to that territory down there that says Crimea. Has anyone ever heard of Crimea before? Okay, so what is so important, right, in, in, in my opinion about what's taking place is this location, Crimea, has always historically been a central point of command and control that military operations have always sought over, over eons, okay? The Ottomans, all kinds of empires have always sought for the control of Crimea. And what is so important about Crimea is because Crimea actually is, is part, and it goes right into the Black Sea there. And they, are, they, they have, there's a part of the territory there and it says Slavestopol. And Slavestopol is the only deep water port okay, that is available within that particular area that they can store their, their, whole, um, fleet. their whole fleet. Their ships. Okay, of, shi uh, of, of ships, right? So basically when you're allowed to be able to go into there, now you have this whole area that you're able to, in, the, in this particular, the Black Sea, that is going to be able to be opened up to you. So this is why it's always been a big military uh, campaign, right? for this control of this particular territory. The next thing that takes place there is if you see it, and I know it's a little bit tinier on the map, but the Black Sea goes through basically Turkey, okay? There's a canal that, that are, are basically a passageway that leads down into the Mediterranean. And so as you control now the Black Sea, and then if you're allies or you're working together economically, right, even with Turkey, do you know that Turkey's been one of the only nations that hasn't, you know, hasn't sanctioned Russia? They still allow the Russian military, you know, complete control into their airspace, right? The, there's other stats that I've been reading on it. You know, the, the highest level of immigration, whatever that was coming into actually Turkey is, that, is, is the Russians, right? They had 145,000 people who received permits to reside inside of Turkey, even just in 2022. At one point, they were saying that 19,000 Russians were showing up right, even as refugees and other things inside of Turkey uh, in the fall of last year, right? That's not even reflective in how many got permanent. These are just people who are populating into the territory, okay? And so really why I bring all this particularly out is because what's happening is, is that you're seeing, okay, all of this here alignment, all of those areas that are around it, right? You got Iran in there. All of these particular lands are all you're seeing are starting to come together that are reflective of what is going on in the Ezekiel 38 war. And they're all lining up and positioning themselves where? To be able to get further down to where Israel actually is. Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. So one question that we're actually kind of just missing here is the part where it says that it, it's a land that it dwells in safety. Okay, so we all know it's no secret that Israel's been in complete unrest since they became a state in 1948. There's not been complete rest there. They've got um, active military that is, you know, defending the place and everything. But it says that when these things happen, there's going to be peace and there's going to be rest. It says in Ezekiel 38, 11, it says, You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. So, so there's going to be a peace that there's going to be peace that, that, the that happens there. I want to introduce something here. How many of you are familiar with the terminology called the Abraham Accords? Not that many. Just a few. Yeah. All right. So in 2022, September of it, 
the United States, you know, on, uh, with, with President Trump at that particular time, actually signed a peace treaty between Israel and the UAE, which is United Arab um, Emirates. Emirate, right? And so multiple nations are all part of that, you know, the UAE, and that there was a peace treaty that ended up coming in there. Now, Shortly thereafter, it says that Bahrain, Sudan, Morocco, Qatar, Oman, uh, Mauritania have all basically come on to this particular uh, peace treaty of the Abraham Accords. Now, one of the things that's interesting about the Abraham Accords is it's really centered around this ideology of uh, three Abrahamic faiths, okay, which is that of Judaism, Christianity, um, and, and Islam, okay? Now, I'm not going to get into the full teaching on this particular topic today, but one of the things that's really stemming up and you're hearing a lot more, you know, is that, you know, this ideology, you know, that we all serve the same God, okay? And, and part of that stems out of this thought process, right, of the Abrahamic faith of Christianity, Judaism, and, and Islam all stemming out of that there. I, that's, it's not great, this is not good theology, but we're not gonna, I'm not going to get into that at the moment, but it's relevant to what's going on right now in this particular process. Now, even though they said there was just a, a, a group, which was quite a few actually nations that did sign on to this thing, what is interesting and barely made any news at all, right, was in December 8th, of 2022, they had an Abrahamic Accords summit in Italy. And they had 30 nations around the world that had all of their political diplomats, they had world leaders at it, and they all came and they all participated in this summit and they all, you know, gathered together. And one of the things that they did is they actually all signed a pledge to the Abrahamic Accord. Now, they didn't sign a peace treaty at this time, so don't, don't go to the fact that, you know, I'm saying, hey, they all signed a peace treaty, but they all signed on to a pledge. It's an intention. Right? With a representation of this peace. And here's one of the things that it actually says. It says, and the spirit of the Abraham Accords has allowed our communities to reap the fruits of peace and flourish in an ever-evolving social economic environment and has underscored the importance of the following foundational pillars of tolerance, coexistence, diversity, religion, and family economic peace. 30 different nations signed on or signed on a pledge into this particular passage. And really what I'm trying to get at is, is that, is there peace right now potentially in the Middle East? No, there's not peace in this. Peace but it says that there will be, you know, this is a, the, the conditions that are going to proceed Okay, and what I'm saying is, is that there's a lot of conditions that are leading up right now to having a peaceful situation that is going on there. Has it arrived yet? No, it hasn't. It says in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 1 to 3, it says, But concerning these times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you, you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. This is interesting stuff and just like, you know, I mean, how many feel like the Bible is just like full of so many interesting things? Um, but we're going to pack up and we're going to go into, back into um, Ezekiel 38. Ezekiel 38. We are going to pick up in verse 18. Um, actually, I'm not going to read the whole thing because I feel like we're pressing on time right now. Okay. But basically, um, this is, you know, the Gog-Magog war that's happening. I'm going to start in verse 21. It says, um, so when all this happens and they attack Israel, it says, verse 21, I will call for a sword 
against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother, and I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him, on his troops, and on the many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. And then we go into um, chapter... 39, yep. and it says in verse 2, I will turn you around and lead you on, bringing you up from the far north, bring you against the mountains of Israel. Then I will knock the bow out of your left hand and cause the arrows to fall out of your right hand. You shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and all your troops and the people who are with you. This is an amazing thing because really, you know, like this is an exciting thing and not in the terms that we're sitting here and like, yay, destruction and war. And this is wonderful. <laughs> and this is great because I don't know about you, but I really don't like the thought of war. Are you guys with me on this? I don't like the thought of war. But what I see here is that God is not going to stand for his people being attacked. God is not going to stand for his glory being taken from him and given to other people. And so when God sees that there's an intervention that needs to happen, he's going to make himself known. He's going to make his presence known so that all glory will go back to him and all the world will know that he is the Lord, our God. Amen. I want to read up a couple more verses here in verse number nine. It says, and then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out and set fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the butlers and the bows and the arrows and the javelins and speak, and they will make fires with them for seven years. And then I want to jump down actually into verse number 12. And it says, and then for seven months, the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. There's two points that I really wanted to bring out in this particular part of this passage. There's a little bit more verses on it. But really, the first part is, is, is it talks about Israel. Those who come to plunder and pillage Israel, it gets flipped on them, and Israel actually is the one who goes forth and plunders and pillages now the nations that have come to attack them. And so this almost reminds me, you know, of that, of what happened with the exodus out of Egypt, you know, mm -hmm. where when the uh, Israelites left Egypt. They actually left with the land, uh, left the land with all the wealth of Egypt. And so this is a, one of those similar type of situations that are taking place uh, over this period. Now, the second part that I really, that, that I think is really important here is it says that for seven months afterwards that they're going to be burying the dead. Okay. But then it says for seven years, they're going to be burning the remains of all the military elements of it. Okay. Now, why is that so important to us? I mean, one of the things, by the way, is interesting. I was just looking up. I think they have a picture of it. But in this particular passage, okay, you're, you're talking about burning the military. You know, one thing that's interesting about Russian military, what have they been doing? They've been putting wood all over their, their, their tanks and different types of things to be able to help, you know, protect, you know, little, the fronts of them, the backs of them, you know, from just, you know, getting hit by bullets and so forth. But it says that for seven years, they're not even going to be able to cut, they don't even have to cut down a tree in the field because they're going to be able to burn all the remains of what's taking place, right, from the military that died and, and, and were stopped on the hills of Israel, okay? Now, what's relevant here is this is not the war of Armageddon. Okay, in the war of Armageddon, not only you got the 200 million man army, but it says that when that war is completed, it actually talks about the return of the Lord. Okay, the Lord comes. So in this particular war, it says that there's a period of seven years afterwards where they're cleaning up the remains. Okay, now everyone's always talking about timelines and different types of things, right? Armageddon is not what we need to necessarily be concerned about, right? What we need to be looking towards is certain things that are taking place even with the Ezekiel War here because it talks about 
when these things occur, there'll be seven months of this, seven years of this, right? Now, where does that put you into other types of things? Is that right before tribulation and all those other? That, that's not for me to worry about today. What I'm worried, or sorry, what I want you to know is, it says for seven years they're going to be burning the remains. Okay? And so that there is where I want to move and conclude. And it says, and then it talks about the return of the Lord. And so that brings us back to how do we live in the day and age that we are in right now? Okay? This is one of the signs that is coming. There's many, many of these types of things that are going to be revealed in God's word. We brought out one element of that today. But I want to go back to, we want to read in, was it 2 Timothy? Yep. Second Timothy 4, 1 to 5, and I want to read this passage. It says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. He says, preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound doctrine and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and will chase after myths. Other translations talk about even fables. But it says, but you should keep a clear mind mm -hmm. in every situation. Don't be afraid of the suffering of the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the mystery that God has given you. We want to wrap up with those particular points that, That's today. right. In, in verse 5, what he just read, be, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. The very first thing, if you guys are taking notes, this is how we are going to live through this, this season that we're in. This is how we're going to live in this time. Number one, keep a clear mind in every situation. You're not going to get anything accomplished if you can't um, think with a clear mind. Confusion is not from God. Confusion is from the enemy. Mm -hmm. And any time that the enemy tries to get you off your feet, he's trying to instill confusion. He's trying to get you to uh, just not be able to make heads or tails of things. And that is not what we are meant to do. Yeah, so if you're finding yourself in that particular place, you need to really ask yourself why. Right, the word of God commands us to be able to walk through this out and not be not be in confusion. Second point was, don't be afraid of suffering. Okay, uh, or it says, you know, to endure suffering. This really talks about, you know, in the midst of these things, affliction is, you know, state of pain, distress, grief, suffering, misery, and we need to be able to remain firm in the midst of that, that we can endure through that pain, suffering. This is persecution. Okay, there's believers who are getting persecuted all around the planet right now. My parents just got back from, you know, from India the other day, and they're talking about persecution, persecution. We need to know, right, not to be afraid. Of suffering mm -hmm. okay persecution will come and we need to be able to endure afflictions absolutely the third thing is work on witnessing and telling others the good news it says do the work of the evangelist do you know we are all called to witness there is I find it interesting because the enemy he's attacking and after your identity and your purpose how many of you guys have ever felt like you've questioned I don't know what my purpose is in life has anybody ever felt that before let me tell you what your purpose is. It's very clear. The Great Commission. Go out into all the world, preach the good news, telling everybody that Jesus has come to give them life, that they can have a relationship with him, that they don't have to be damned to hell, that they don't have to live in their sin, that they don't have to die in that, but they can have a personal relationship with God the Father, that they can live eternally with him in the end of days. 
And the last part of that was carry out the ministry God has given to you or fulfill your ministry. Uh, this is, you know, everyone has a ministry. Question is, is, are you laboring in yours? Pastor Michael preached, you know, a few weeks back even about, you know, we're all called to work. Okay, and everyone has a job to be able to accomplish. And as we're all called to work, that doesn't end when you get retired. Okay, it ends when you die. Okay, this is something that is speaking to the body of Christ in its entirety, from the youngest to the oldest, right? And no matter what stage you are in, we are all called to fulfill the ministry that God has placed on the inside of you. So we all should be doing something in the kingdom of God. That's all ministry that God has called us to be able to do. And as Pastor Sherry said on top of that, right, we are all called to do the work of the evangelist as we go through these latter days. Mm -hmm. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet right now. The Bible says, um, in this world you will have tribulation, but do not be troubled because I have overcome the world. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one thing I'm realizing with the body of Christ is that there's been a lot of fear that's really crept in into the body of Christ of, uh, of the unknown or of whatever it is, but the enemy is trying to debilitate people with fear. And I believe that God is calling us past that. He has given us instruction where he has said that he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And this is something that we can take hold of and that we can incorporate into our everyday life. I love how in Isaiah 60, I think it is, it says one to three, arise, shine for, your light is, for the light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Do you know what? The, the world today is dark. But as the world grows darker, your light shines brighter. And you are meant to be that light out into the world. You are meant to be like a city on the hill that cannot be hid. Your life is the light that we are bringing to other people today. Amen. This is good news because even though chaos might be breaking out all around us, even though things are happening everywhere in the world, we have complete peace and knowledge in that God is with us. God is for us and that he is leading us through all of these things. He's given us instructions in his word on how to make it through these days. I'm going to encourage you guys as we go through this. Yes, let's band together. Let's stand in faith together. Let your faith arise. Let your, uh, your hearts just cry out to God. Don't forget to pray. Remember, God is with you. Let's pray. I want to I I add one point to it as you wrap up and I'll let you pray on this. Is that where is your focus? Okay, our focus is needs to be on God. Okay, and the glory of God being revealed in the earth and our lights shining and the witness of the great commission and the greatest harvest of mankind that is before us right now. And so our job is not to dwell on the darkness that is in the land, but in the light that God has placed on the inside of us to be able to go out and be overcomers in that land. And I believe that as we do that, we're going to rise up with a new level of faith, a new level of expectation and a new level of hope hope because our focus needs to be in God and on his promises and not on that of darkness. Yes. Amen. Amen. Pastor, why don't you wrap Hallelujah. up in prayer? Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you are the great God. We give you the honor, the glory, and the power. I thank you, Father, that as we are seeking out your knowledge and wisdom, I thank you for great discretion, understanding, discernment, Father. I thank you, Lord, as we go about our everyday life, that we would remember to go back to your word, that we would remember to stay in your presence, God, that we would remember you in everything.
everything we do, God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that just as you said that you remembered Noah and that you marked Noah, Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have marked us who are in Christ. And I thank you, Father, that you are with us even to the end of the age. We give you the praise. We give you the honor and the glory. May your name be glorified forever. We exalt you today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Have a wonderful day. We will see you guys. Well, we get back weeks. from Africa. Well, <laughs> some people will see you guys next week. <laughs> Have a wonderful week. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the After 9 Show. For those of you that just are tuning in right now, I encourage you to fast forward and watch the service that we just had of the very, very, very first uh, week one for End Times. So today we kind of covered a lot, but we mostly discussed the whole Gog-Magog war and um, the, the pipelines and all that stuff. So it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. I always say it's like uh, drinking water from a fire hose. Is that, is that a phrase? Yep. You know, um, when it comes to the end times and reading all the things about end times. So, um, but it's February 19th, 2023. So we're happy to have you join us today. I believe Pastor Dave Pistonese is going to hop on here soon. So for now, you can talk to me. So I hope you enjoyed service today. Um, something that I always thought about with end times, um, it, it can get very complicated. Like Pastor Sherry said, um, when it comes to like mentally processing the things that are going to happen to us or, uh, you know, things that are going to the, the things that are going to take place and um, it can get kind of complicated especially as a believer to kind of keep in our faith but something that I've always I always say is that you know four years ago we wouldn't have imagined all the stuff that just happened and you know with the pandemic and all that stuff um, but look we made it through right so you know you never know what you're capable of doing until you actually get through it hey are you on the show with me oh my gosh hey it's Travail joining us I thought it was Pastor Dave He's gonna come, he just told everybody that he was coming, so that's okay. No, no, it's all you, come on in, you're here. I am. Uh, you're here. <laughs> you're here. I'm here, yes. So what did you get out of, um, we were just, I was talking about um, just touching on the whole concept of faith as a believer during end times. Wow. I, I think, uh, can we move over a little bit? We can, we can move over as far as you want, wherever you want. Go ahead. You gave me it. Yeah. Okay, um, not that I'm trying to blame anybody. Uh, I think uh, that was a good reality check, honestly. Yeah. And I think uh, as I was listening to that message, I found myself slipping yeah. in in the events. And, and you know, even, you, I hate to call it faith, but I think my faith was growing weary, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I think if we're not prepared, you know, the problem I think really becomes we go to prayer, we, we petition God and we don't see yeah that's right, right. and I think uh, to understand that there's a plan here and God's quite aware of it um, is crucial to understand that yeah. no matter what we see we still got to trust God absolutely and I think too um, I, I made a comment before you came on and joined me um, as I said that you know four or five years ago we would never have imagined the whole pandemic and everything that happened during that and how you know we made it through all of that which is not like it's literally just icing on the cake but I feel like you never know what you're capable of going through until you actually you know yeah and it, and it just seems like a whole blur um, not only we go through it we're kind of out of it yeah kind of but kind yet of. the fallout of it are still it's changed our life it has. and uh, it's changed culture yep. and it's actually kind of uh, 
reduced, I hate to say this, but it's reduced church attendance yeah. and maybe even the effectiveness of the church to some degree. Yep. And you know, we like, it might not have affected you personally, physically, but things did change. Life did change, right? And so I think it's yeah. just um, holding on to that faith and, and hope and knowing whatever happens in the future, that God is our number one. You know, we have people that are here to lead us and help us through all this stuff. You know, we, we weren't able to meet a church, so we met online. Like we have things and, you know, doors open to be able to communicate together. But I think in the future, we have to be where, um, even like what they talked about, enduring affliction, right? Yep. Um, affliction can literally just be like grief, discomfort. You know, they were kind of talking about that. So when your life is not the same as it was, don't be surprised, you know? Well, I think that, that's kind of change and we, we're not really good at it. Yeah. Uh, as humans, we tend to avoid it. Yeah. Uh, but I think the, the real interesting thing that, uh, kind of stuck out to me is the job of the antichrist yeah is basically to discourage wear down into uh you know basically soul deceit yeah um and i think when i think on those terms i've found myself looking at events and becoming discouraged yeah right and uh I, I don't think i'm alone i think there's a lot of people that are saying man this world is getting darker and darker and we concentrate on the darkness yeah rather than being the light in the darkness and the fact that it bothers us and disturbs us i think is good mm -hmm. but i think what do we do with that is where a lot of us struggle yeah and you know like the bible does say like be a light of the world mm -hmm. you know a city on a hilltop does not what is it a city on a hilltop does not what do you know the phrase the, the verse i do but <laughs> I just blanked. I just drew a blank too. I was going to say, a sitting on a hilltop does not vanish. I don't know if that's it, but basically, you know, uh, Jesus calls us to be the light, you know? So I, I think it's great that we have these kind of conversations at church and I like, they're really, they are real conversations, but they're not meant to invoke fear. They're not meant to, um, you know, make you afraid of what's to come, but it's meant to um, increase your faith and to be ready. You know, it's the whole thing with the 10 virgins, right? The ones that are prepared with the oil were the ones that were able to meet the bridegroom. So I think that these are things that our church is shaping in our hearts and getting our spirits ready for the future what's to come are we going to be people that are going to get uh torn down or pushed aside by affliction or are we going to be people that are going to get stronger stronger in our faith stronger in our relationship mm -hmm. with god because we see the evidence of what's happening is leading up to the arrival of our bridegroom how more important is it to be involved in the younger generation as well absolutely um because who knows the timing of this and i think uh what was really interesting they brought out some really huge points um pastor sherry mentioned about her her uh fears of demons yeah and i think a lot of us when we first come or you know are coming in the process of coming to christ fear death yeah right and i think that's a reality i think we don't talk about it much but i think um once we come to know christ then we understand that okay you know our life's not going to end just because we leave these bodies yep. that's that's first and foremost mm -hmm. and then the other thing i think pastor brian really brought out was not believing everybody you see on youtube yes. or on social media yeah. because you don't know who they're uh submitted to and then you know they really drove home the importance of spiritual authority yes right and yep. i think that is so so important we cannot get in trouble doing what our spiritual authority tells us yeah 
right? Exactly. And, yep. that, and that's that's protection. Yeah. That is not punishment. That's protection. And yet, in in the twistedness of what, you know, the Antichrist and you know evil wants to tell us is that we're being controlled. We're being suckers. Yeah. We don't need authority. We don't have our own mind. Absolutely. Right? We yeah. don't need this. You yeah. can do your own thing. And the culture today says do your own thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? It's terrible. You know, and something that I I used to be scared of when we're talking about the fear, um, when I was younger, I couldn't wrap my head around the concept of living forever, like existing mm. for eternity, eternity. And I don't know, I just feel like I needed to just throw this out there is that when it comes to heaven and like the future and what we're promised with God and eternity that I don't believe as humans, we're meant to fully keep like understand it fully comprehend it because our minds are only so, so small or so large, right? But God has promises for us that are beyond what we can ever fathom. And so I just want to, you know, encourage you today that no, don't be, uh, what's that thing they always say? Like, I'm not going to scare you into hell or into heaven. I'm not going to, what's it? Shoot. I can't forget. I can't remember the thing, but basically it's like, it's like, oh, you want to get saved because you don't want, oh, turn and burn. Oh, turn, turn and burn. burn. Yeah, we don't yeah, want to yeah. do that. We're turn not doing burn. that here yes, today. That's yes. not the point. The point is we want our hearts to be ready. You know, our hearts to be consecrated. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Because yeah. the do Bible is true. Do you yeah. have questions? You know, there, if you have questions, yeah. there's obviously something going on in your heart Absolutely. that's really kind of drawing you. And that's, that's how, you know, Jesus operates. He's mm -hmm. going to draw us. He's not going to push us. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's the key to it. If you're yep. getting pushed and pressured, it's not Jesus. Yep, it's not Jesus. And you know, um, the Word of God says that that, that no man will go um, without hearing. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm not phrasing it right. But basically, everyone's going to have an opportunity to hear the good news, right? To hear the gospel. The gospel would preach to everybody on the earth before absolutely. he comes back. Yeah, absolutely. That's so right. every every ear will hear. If this is your first time hearing this message, or hearing it this way um please reach out to us we would love to pray with you we'd love to introduce you to yeah, jesus amen. um but you know it, it's true that there isn't going to be a day and an hour where you're going to have to be accountable to jesus christ for what your life was like right and yeah we're not going to be able to help you out there <laughs> you know we can help you now but yeah yeah and i and i think it's 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 sobering when he brought out the fact that there'll be a great falling away yeah and i think we Pastor Luke and I brought it up on the pre-show, actually. Okay. And I think when when you put that in context, that's the church. Yeah. You know, so uh, I think the heart of this church is not to be in that great falling away, Absolutely. but to be part of the you know good, well done, faithful servants, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, the mandate, uh, the call, the giftings of of everything that goes on here, I believe is meant to position us to be not only prepared, but to endure to the end. Exactly. And it, it does say that the, the love of many will grow cold. Wa wax cold. And we're yeah. not, we're not going to be those people. And we encourage you um, today to really pray about where you stand with God, because um, I, I know that the heart of Jesus is that no man will, will die. No man will perish. And when when but you bring we up make that our own wax choices. cold too, that yeah. just like, you know, a wax cold is like, you're just blanketed. You're not yourself. There's a skin up with over your skin, yeah. more or less. It's and like when you dip, dip your finger yeah, in a candle and it just, yeah. Like it just, there's a coating that goes over you that doesn't allow you to be you. Yeah. And it's a false you as well. Yeah. It's not real. Yeah. Um, well, it was very sobering uh, after nine show today, but you know what? We're never going to, But we're never going to. Tickle your ears. We're never gonna but, but coat you know the what? sugar on the thing. We don't have to be afraid if we can understand <laughs> yeah. that these are signs, and we don't have to partake in. Absolutely, we have choices. We have, uh, you know, the ability to overcome all this because Jesus said, "Take heed, because I've overcome the world." Absolutely, and we have overcome the world. We have. 
You know what? He's for so us, not against that, us isn't today. That, isn't that encouraging? It is encouraging. That's not sobering at all. It's not sobering. That's, well, if you, if you don't believe, it's not it's, that. That would be. A, well, you anyway, believe. you know what? This has been a great day, Pastor Brian. Thanks for joining me today. Bud. All right. I didn't know you were on, but I'm really glad you were. So well, I'm glad I was. <laughs> just a reminder, we don't have Lighthouse tomorrow. It's family day. So spend time with your family or just spend time. You know, doing what you got to do. But we hope you have a great family day tomorrow. We will see you next Sunday with week two of End Time Series. Yeah, I hear Pastor Rick might be uh, in the yeah, house. I eh? hear the same thing. He, he might have a little passion. He might have a little passion. You'll be in, you'll be in for a good ride, okay? Yeah, I'm sure it will be. <laughs> All right, have the I'm best. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Are you done Sorry, talking? I am. Okay. <laughs> it is your show. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I hear the timer going off, and that means it's time to close the show. So have the best Sunday of your life. We'll see you next week.